Welcome to Grace Story Podcast. We're here to connect you with education, resources, and community that equip you for the journey of restoration. My name's Nate Davison, and I'm your host for this uh, podcast. And I want to thank you guys for listening in, uh, uh, each one of you, because I was just looking at our, our stats online, and I know that can be boring for some people, but I like to follow it. It shows progress. And we, as of uh, the time this will release, it, it should be more, but we just jumped over 1,500 downloads for the podcast itself, each episode, um, which is crazy to me. Uh, we just got started a couple of months ago, a few months, I guess, and we're already at 1,500 downloads. Uh, so the audience is expanding and you guys are, are interacting on Instagram, you're messaging. Um, and, and I love that because this podcast is all about you. And, and I just feel lucky because uh, I'm having a, a fun time uh, actually helping to, to host and produce the podcast. Um, I get to talk to some really, really interesting, really smart people, really knowledgeable. And um, I mean, I, I'm learning along with you. Uh, so thank each one of you. I want to thank each one of you for listening in and taking the time to, to listen to each episode. And I do listen to what you guys are saying when you direct message on Instagram. If you have a, an idea or feedback, you can also email me at nate at greatstoryministries.com. Uh, but this particular episode, um, we have on, on a, uh, a Drew Boa, and he's from California. Um, and I'll tell you a little bit more about him in a second, but we had somebody message uh, on Instagram, and they were telling me that they would love to hear about uh, sexual addiction and pornography addiction um, and, and hear about that because uh, of some of the, the experiences that they, uh, they had had in their life. And of course, you know, we, we keep everything confidential. Definitely not going to tell you their name. But, um, you know, that, that was so powerful to me that somebody would reach out and say, hey, this, this, and this is going on. And I'd really like help with it. Or, or I know someone who, would, who really could use some help from it. If you can package something up, I'd have them listen to it or I'd listen to it myself. Um, and man, having, having that type of interaction just keeps me going and, and really sends me in a direction so I can find the, the content experts um, that are doing this and, and are specializing in an area to come on and speak to the Grace Story community about whatever it is. So if you have a topic that you want to hear about, please direct message us on Instagram, you can uh, send me an email, nate at greatstoryministries.com. And uh, the, the book that uh, our, our guest today has written, we're going to be giving that away at the end of this podcast. And we'll tell you how to do that then. So stay tuned. Um, and part of that is going to be, you know, giving us some feedback on, on topics you'd like to hear so we can know where to go in the next uh, 6 to 12 months. Just a quick reminder before we jump into today's content, head on over to greatstoryministries.com and subscribe to our email uh, so we can keep you informed. One of the things right now that's uh, going on is the uh, opening, uh, again, the reopening after this pandemic for the Grace Story Ministries uh, Conference 2020 uh, going on in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, right now, you can save 25% off of your admission price uh, by using the promo code BRAVE, that's B-R-A-V-E. Uh, you type that in over on greatstoryministries.com and you're going to be able to save 25%. Uh, so go go get on that before that uh, goes away and we'll be able to see you at uh, Grace Story Conference 2020. 
all about brave. And, and I mean, there's so many people lined up for that that you're going to want to hear. Uh, Jamie Taylor, uh, Rachel Henry, Kathy Sprinkle, uh, Ryan Waters is going to be there. There's going to be a panel uh, with uh, Amber, uh, just Amber, um, and she's going to be talking. Amber Jones, our, our, our president and founder, she's going to be uh, answering your questions. So we don't know exactly what that uh, is going to lo- look like because you guys are going to be delivering the questions for her to, to answer. Uh, so if there's something that you wanted to know, um, that's, that might be worth the price of admission alone. Uh, but you think about it, uh, all of these uh, sessions, so it's two days uh, of session after session. They're you know about 45 to 50 minutes long. Uh, there's a, a vendor section open so that uh, it's open the entirety of the conference and you can go in and out whenever you please if if you know you need to finish something up and, and, and go into um, the next session there's not going to be anybody kicking you out um, but you might pay um, 90 to 150 dollars for a uh, an instructor or, or rather a counselor to speak into your life you're going to be getting all that for a lot less um, I haven't done the math on it, but if you you break it down by the hour, my goodness, the savings and and the content that you're going to get by licensed professionals and instructors that are master's level or above and storytellers who are going to speak into your life and you're going to resonate with with what they have to say because it's going to be just who they are and they're going to be honest and they're going to share. Uh, so, I mean, if you haven't gone and and gotten your admission uh, ticket just yet. I encourage you to do that. Head on over to GraceStoryMinistries.com and use the promo code BRAVE to get 25% off. All right, so this content that we're about to go into, I feel like I need to let you know, there is, we're gonna, we're gonna get real. We're gonna talk about sex, we're gonna talk about uh, sexual addiction, and in particular, we're gonna be talking about pornography addiction. Um, so if there's uh, someone in, in the area that you don't want them to be maybe listening in on this uh, or you don't want to broadcast it, uh, maybe put those headphones on um, or, you know, roll up your car window, whatever you need to do. Uh, but there's there's your warning for it. Uh, just a little heads up. Our guest is Drew Boa. He is uh, living out in California. He is the creator of Husband Material Ministries. And his whole goal um, is to help men and transform their lives, giving them freedom from porn addiction. Um, so he's he's so authentic. You guys are going to love him. I enjoyed my conversation with him. We're going to have him back on the podcast later to break down some some more of the, the content that he has. Um, if you want to, we're going to put in the show notes uh, some of the links to his videos, his content um, over at husbandmaterial.com. He's also an author. He wrote the, the book Redeemed Sexuality, uh, Healing and Transformation in Community. We talked to him uh, about that book on this episode, uh, but we're going to be giving away that book here at the end um, of the, the podcast. So stay tuned to this episode so that you can uh, know exactly where to go to find out the information uh, for that giveaway and have that resource uh, mailed to you straight from Grace Story Ministries. I think that's about it. Um, taking up enough time here at the beginning. Let's jump right into the conversation I had uh, just a, a little bit ago with uh, Drew Boa. All right, Drew, first of all, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It is a pleasure. And you're up bright and early out there in uh, in California. That's right. Pacific time zone, West Coast, best coast. 
I am not a morning person. We were chatting uh, in, in the pre-show about this. Not a morning person. I work nights, so I know this is normal for you, but thank you for coming on. Um, I just want to start by kind of giving people um, a background because we'll, we'll put the link to your to your website and some of your resources in the show notes. But what's, what's your story? Uh, how did you move in this direction? Yeah, I was a kid who loved Jesus and hated porn, but I couldn't stop my sexual behavior no matter how hard I tried. So masturbation became a source of self-hatred and especially struggling with a sexual fetish. So not just porn in general. In fact, nobody watches porn in general. There are always very certain specific triggers that appeal to us. And so for me, I was never attracted to traditional porn. I liked something different, something I didn't understand. And, and for 10 years, I, I never understood why I liked what I liked sexually. And it was on a journey of healing that God showed me my sexual fantasies were actually showing me the deepest desires of my heart. So when that clicked for me, everything changed and porn lost its power in my life. And that was five and a half years ago. And ever since then, I've been completely free from all unwanted sexual behavior and helping other guys get those same results. That first of all, that's awesome. Um, I want to go back to it just, just a little bit deeper in it. You talked about there was some, some things behind it. Uh, you alluded to that. What, what do you mean about things behind? Uh, cause honestly, when I think about that type of urge or so, it's just, you know, Something guys, you, you hear people say it's just something guys do. Uh, the world would have us think that. What what was behind it for you? What is behind it? Well, for each of us, it's different. Behind every struggle with pornography, behind every reaction and overreaction we don't understand, there is a little child who needs love. Mm, yeah. And for me, there was a 13-year-old boy who had moved so many times between different countries when I was a kid. And when I was 13, I moved from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, where I was attending a small private all boys school to a massive public school in Dallas, Texas, and lost everything I loved in life. Mm. Um, And my parents were, not really there to support me. And so during this horrible, traumatic move, my sexuality was beginning to emerge and my development got stunted right there. And that's really when porn and sexual fantasies came into my life was in middle school and ultimately became my pacifier for this pain that I didn't even realize I was feeling. I I remember crying myself to sleep every night before we moved. And I remember uh, being at school and, and secretly worshiping these attractive girls and being so terrified to talk to them. And, and my, my attractions, my arousal became fixed. And, and it never developed past then. Never had some kind of normal dating experiences of encountering girls, encountering um, my own sexuality in a positive way. And so my growth became stunted at that point. And porn was the pacifier that kept me as a sexual child. Pornography as a pacifier. Um, first of all, for, for 
a male, that word pacifier, I think, can sound like something you don't want to be associated with. Like, I'm a, I'm a man. I don't need a pacifier. Yeah. Um, so I like your wording there. Um, but it sounds almost like that was your, your safety, your go-to, your comfort yes. place. Exactly. And this is what everyone in the world needs to understand about porn. Primarily, it's being used as a solution for the deeper problems. It's not the primary problem. It's the symptom of deeper problems. And it's the solution I'm turning to in order to not have to deal with those deeper things in order to run away from them, in order to soothe myself, in order to make the pain stop Mm. in the absence of care, nurture, intimacy, pleasure, beauty, goodness, porn becomes a cheap substitute. And like a pacifier, it's consistent. It's always there. True. In some ways, it'll be more loyal than a parent. Wow. It'll be more loving than a girlfriend. And also, it's not human. It's not real. Well, that makes so much sense because pornography can be, it's rampant and it's diverse and it can be whatever you want it to be. Um, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, having it more, it's something stable in a way it's not healthy certainly but um it's something that can be stability in your life uh and and it sounds like you're saying too it's it's treating a symptom of something deeper yeah Um, so it's 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 not a healthy uh substitute for a true uh dealing with that symptom but even just dealing with the symptom isn't going to be enough uh even if it's not pornography so so it sounds it's obvious you have passion for this topic. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, where does that passion come from? Uh, y- your story or from a person or or where does, where does that come from? Yeah, that passion comes from my story of healing. And especially because for me, it's not a battle anymore. Most porn recovery ministries out there are encouraging you to fight the battle for purity, you mm-hmm. know, overcome, um, be a warrior. And I actually hear that feeding and encouraging kind of a shame-based attack on my sexuality. Hmm. That in our culture, we have two options, usually sexual release, releasing my sexuality, hey, whatever, or sexual repression. I'm going to try to shut it down. I'm going to try to avoid my sexual desires. I'm going to ignore them. I'm going to, I'm going to attack them. And so we often find ourselves at war with our sexuality and that's part of the problem i'm i'm fighting against the pacifier when in reality there's a little boy who needs love and until i can address him this war is only going to make things worse well you're not wrong because i I remember a book from my teenage years um, and i hope i get the title right but every man's battle Um, i don't know if you've heard of that but well yeah and every young man's battle (laughs) i remember when i was uh a young boy, my mother bought me a copy of that book, put it on my shelf, and didn't tell me anything. I just found it on my shelf. That's passive. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I didn't get a lot of sexual support guidance from my parents, um, large part because of shame over their stories. And so every young man's battle and every man's battle promoted this kind of sexual repression, military mindset, um, which 
puts you in an endless, frustrating, exhausting battle where I'm trying hard to be pure, but all it takes is one defeat and I feel like I'm back at the beginning. Rather than avoiding the battle altogether by addressing the roots, going deeper, and when I can find the little Drew who, who is stuck, whose sexual development was stunted, I can help him grow up. He can outgrow his pacifier and put it down. And it doesn't need to be a battle anymore. And that's what I love about what God's done in my life. It's not a stressful thing anymore. It's not a constant duel with temptation. It's maturity. It's growing up. It's becoming a sexual adult. And when you can do that, the battle's over. So I want to be clear to, to, to listeners, because I feel like there might be some people out there um, that are listening to what you're saying and saying, nah, no, there, 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 there has to be a battle. <laughs> I mean, there are stuff on billboards and the, the, the ads that drop on your, on your, even if you're not looking for it, it's going to find you. So I don't, I don't think what you're saying is that you're not going to be tempted. I don't think what you're saying is, you know, those things won't come about. But uh, can you help me understand a little bit more what you mean by there won't be a battle? All right. I'm going to, I want to give you a really vivid example because I want to stop talking in theory. Um, all right. All right. I got something. I got something for you. Okay. okay. Let's say I'm at the grocery store mm-hmm. and I come to the checkout aisle. And while I'm putting items from my cart onto the little conveyor belt, I see some magazines. These magazines are so annoying to me. Some of them are quite sexually explicit. And let's say I see a celebrity on that magazine, not wearing very many clothes. And this is somebody who I've masturbated to in the past. So it's a trigger for me. In that moment, I feel a little bit of arousal. Mm -hmm. I have a few options. I can enter into a battle mentality Either I'm going to overpower this sexual temptation by slapping a Bible verse on it or by trying to think about something else. I'm, uh, I'm going to either, either enter into a fight, flight, or freeze mentality, which is ultimately a response in the brain based on fear. Another type of arousal. Another type of arousal, right? Your heart starts beating fast. Uh, your palms are sweating. Your eyes are darting back and forth. Your face turns red. I mean, there, there are very physical signs of this response in your brain when your amygdala gets activated. So am I going to, basically, am I going to feed that by either trying to overpower this temptation or avoid it? Or can I have a different kind of response? If you've done your work of processing your story and your childhood experiences, then I can ask the question, why? Why is this so appealing to me right now? What is it doing for me? There are some different ways that I work with guys to to get down to the roots and get down to the origin stories of why this celebrity might be appealing. First of all, what is it about her or him that is attractive to me? How does it make me feel? Let's say if I am looking at the celebrity and uh, she or he is smiling at me and it makes me feel accepted, Mm. that there's something within me that feels safe about it. Then I'm going to ask myself, hmm, 
when have I felt unsafe? When have I felt rejected in the past? And see what comes up for me. And then I can start this relationship with that little boy who needs love. That's where it gets very practical because it's not the mature adult grown up Drew who is being lured in and enticed by this magazine cover. No, it's a much younger place within me. And I need to learn how to help him if I'm going to heal. First of all, you did not disappoint with with a very powerful story because I think that will be something a lot of people have gone through. But that makes a lot more sense, especially when you're talking about growing up, because when I hear your response of a mature adult to that temptation that uh, you said there's arousal there, um, a human mm-hmm. reaction. Mm-hmm which I think most people might stop there and say, I've already failed. I might as well go through with it. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> but, but to hear that, that reaction, it sounds less of a battle and uh-huh. not to just put a positive spin on it, but more of looking at it as an opportunity to learn more mm-hmm. about myself through oh, this yes. temptation that uh, a darker side has thrown at me. Yes. And, and actually to bless that arousal, right? Because, what I just shared, the desire to be accepted is from God. Like that is good, right? The desire to be safe. Oh my word. We all have that because of how God made us so that I don't have to curse that desire. I don't have to run away from it or, or try to repress it. Hmm. I can bless it. I can embrace it. And then I can express it in a healthy way and be like, okay, where do I feel rejected in my life right now? Where do I feel unsafe in my life right now? Because maybe it's calling my attention like a prophet mm-hmm. to something that needs to be addressed. And so I'm no longer having a fear-based response, but it's a love response. It's, it's curiosity. It's compassion. And so in a sense, it's a battle because we're opposing the enemy who sure. wants to steal, kill, and destroy in a more important way, it's, it's, it's more about receiving the love of God. So I don't know where you're at with merchandise with your ministry, but uh, bumper stickers with bless that arousal. I, <laughs> I, could, <laughs> I could see just flying off the shelves. Um, <laughs> writing so, that down. So during, <laughs> so during your, um, your, your journey, what, what was maybe the biggest challenge that you faced, um, whether expected or unexpected. And how, how did you work through that? Yeah, probably the biggest challenge I faced was graduating from college where I felt like I had a ton of support. I had allies who were right beside me, brothers in Christ. I had mentors, guides, I had a structure, I had support system. And then I graduated into a desolate world of, of such a difficult life transition. And, and that was my biggest season of relapse. I had had freedom for over a year from porn and masturbation and then felt like I was right back at the beginning asking God, what happened? Like, I thought you healed me from this. I was the victory story. I was leading a ministry at that time of about 200 people. And I, I was the success story people were pointing to and saying, look, freedom is real. Healing is available because of Drew Mm. or not because of me, but I'm an example of that. Right. Right. And, and on the inside, I felt like I am no further along than the person who's just starting this journey. Sure. You probably felt like a fraud. Oh, totally. And, and second guessing everything God had done in my life. Mm. Well, as I discovered, In fact, I had grown 
and I had healed to a point. The difference was my circumstances were so much more challenging than they had been before. And they were triggering all these different places in my story that were coming up for me. So in that place, I realized if I can be free for a year and still go back to that old behavior, then how do I know a relapse is not right around the corner? Mm. Like this battle can't be won. And that's when I began to do a lot more training, do a lot more research. I was just beginning to get to know Rebecca, who would become my wife. And, um, and that led me to so much learning and being free from the battle altogether. So now I don't have to fight anymore. And now I can have confidence about long-term freedom. That, that couples along with, I was looking at your website and it, uh, you say in your bio that God saved your marriage before it even started. Uh, what kind of prep work and, and what do you mean by that? The, the, the prep work going into a marriage. My wife and I were going through pre-engagement counseling. Oh, yes. Been there, done that. Lovely stuff. (laughs) Yeah, which I recommend because you want to decide and commit to this person knowing all of their potential reasons why you wouldn't want to marry them before you get engaged. Yes. Because like at that point, you're planning an event. And there's a lot of pressure to make it happen. So... They gave us an assignment. I remember sitting on her couch and I was supposed to tell her all of the reasons why she might not want to marry me that she didn't know about. I was not asked that question. That, that sounds uncomfortable. Yes, we were supposed to share everything we appreciated about the other person and also what we see in ourselves that needs work. Wow. So I was staring at the carpet. I did not want to look her in the eyes. I couldn't breathe very deeply. My chest was tight. And I eventually told her about my most recent relapse. And she looked at me with compassion, with tenderness. And she would have had every right to feel hurt and and to have misgivings. But the overwhelming grace and love that flowed through her in that moment changed me. And it showed me I need to do absolutely everything in my power to be 100% confident that when I take these wedding vows, I know I can keep them. And so while we were engaged, I went through some of my most significant healing work. I even quit my job at one point because I, I needed to do this research. And it was research that ended up becoming part of the book, Redeem Sexuality. Ultimately, It was during that time that I felt the most motivation to rebuild that support system that I had lost from scratch, to get training from clinicians, to travel the country, to read as much as I could, to watch all the videos I could. And that's when I began to find out that my sexual fantasies were not random, but they actually had roots in my childhood experiences. I want to talk about something you just said, because I feel like there's a lot of people out there that are listening that as one of my college professors said, they're out there. It's just them and Jesus. Um, and you talked about rebuilding a support structure. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's something you, you don't really share, um, intimate things like this with, you know what, I'm going to go to the bowling alley and whoever's in my league, 
they're my support structure. This is going to be great. How do you, how do you build or rebuild a support structure from scratch as you put it? I had to find three types of people, allies, guides, and experts. Hmm. Experts are easy to find. You can buy their books on Amazon. Sure. Yeah. The greatest therapists and Christ centered psychologists in the world have written really wonderful books that we can get for cheap. You can also listen to podcasts like yeah. this and get so much great information. Sure. But information doesn't necessarily lead to transformation. So you got to have some experts. You also need guides, people who are ahead of you on the journey, who are also willing to walk with you, to lead you on the same path that they have known. Um, a guide could be a mentor. It could be a counselor. It could be a pastor. It's someone who has qualities that you want to develop. And in this case, for me, it was sexually healthy manhood. <laughs> And, and freedom from pornography. So I needed some mentors. I needed some guides. And I have an episode about how to find a mentor because in fact, if you ask somebody, will you be my mentor? That becomes very awkward. And I don't recommend that, but there are some very, very easy tricks you can use to get people to accidentally mentor you. Well, there's, um, there's also research out there that people don't feel up to the task. If they're not already mentoring people, right. they don't feel like they should be mentoring anybody, even though they have yes. tons to offer. So, right which is one of the reasons why they might say no. Um, so you got to find mentors and, and be crafty about it. And that's what I did. And I, <laughs> I actually asked one of my college professors, will you mentor me? He said, no, I kept inviting him out to lunch. And for the next three years, he functionally mentored me. <laughs> Whether he wanted to or not, it just, that's what, well, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, mentorship at its core is just a uh, conversation with, with guiding to it. Um, as yes. you say, they're your guide. Um, yes. Maybe so, it's reframing it to a mentor. Hey, will you just talk? I need to talk to somebody about this. Can you talk to me? Yeah. Oh, that opens up the door so much more widely. It's like, of course. Yeah, I can do that. And and we need to ask for micro commitments, right? Will you mentor me? Sounds like a macro commitment. Like, oh, I yeah. don't know if I can fit that into my schedule, especially if, you're, if you have a lot going on, especially if you want to be mentored by somebody who's more of a public figure, that's mm -hmm. never going to work. Um, so asking for a micro commitment, that's huge. Also just adding value, right? If I'm wanting to spend time with this mentor and I find out that he really likes bowling or I find out what his favorite type of exercise is or what his favorite type of food is, then I offer to take him to that place or do that thing together. Then it's, it's, gosh, what am I trying to say? It's more likely to work, right? That works. Um, well, and I think you're, you're touching on something uh, that, um, and it's, Ken Coleman does this not about mentorship uh, as we're talking about it, but he does talk about in his book, Proximity Principle, getting close to people um, mm -hmm. of, of where you want to go and where you want to be. And mm -hmm. I think that works yeah. here a little bit, but he also talks about it has to be genuine because those yeah. people, they're going to figure out real quick if mm -hmm. you're just using them to get to where you want to go. Um, yeah. So it's a relationship. So we've talked about allies. We've talked about mentors and guides. I also needed to rebuild my structure of allies. So you also need people who are in the same trench, in the same boat as you, who you are beside on this journey. Guides are ahead of you. Allies are beside you. And so I started a group and found seven allies who held me up 
during the difficult season of engagement. And um, there are so many ways to find allies. I have another video on that as well. That part is so critical that you have someone who you're not paying to be there for you. Someone who's not doing it because they feel like, oh, I'm, I'm his mentor. Actual genuine friendship and intimacy. That points to something that, that is core to the function of Grace Story Ministries, which is that community aspect. We really put an mm-hmm. emphasis on that. We were not born, although a lot of us like to be alone most of the time, we are not born to do life alone. Yeah. Um, and uh, if you if the listeners haven't already noticed in the show notes, we'll have some links for Drew, um, but his videos are, are phenomenal. He's already made reference to a couple of those. One of your resources is uh, the Redeemed Sexuality. Uh, is it a workbook? Um, it's got 12 sessions in it, so I guess it'd be a workbook. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about that book and that those 12 sessions? Yes. So that is a workbook, which is what I would have liked to have in college. It's designed for men or women. And it replaced the former curriculum we were using, which is called Lust Free Living. And Lust Free Living, where you share your story with somebody, they called it your lustimony. <laughs> Sorry, that sounds so cheesy. <laughs> yeah, no. we, needed, we needed something better. Yeah. And Redeemed Sexuality was what we got. And it's focused on three things, vulnerability, identity, and intimacy. So all of the lessons, everything is focused on developing those three qualities of allowing us to open up to each other in vulnerability, um, embracing who we are in Christ, identity, and then healthy relationships, Mm. intimacy, whether we're single, dating, or married. So we kind of touched on identity earlier, and uh, there's some podcasts from our content strategy director, Ryan Waters, that are going into those five core, some of the five core issues that, that, uh, that make us up and our behaviors. Um, But uh, going back to that first part, confession in that first part, you talk about in the book, uh, and more specifically, effective confession. Um, can you dig down on what that means? Because honestly, with a um, a background in the church, um, confession sounds terrible. Um, I, th- I have, you know, memories of you know, the garbage can at the front of the church and everybody bring that thing that uh, Mm. is just keeping you back and, uh, or, you know, public confession. If you have to confess something, come on up, let's bear one another's burdens. And I'm just, uh, you know, you just want to slide down in the pew and disappear into the Mm -hmm. earth. Um, and, but then you also feel like, man, I I better come up with something to confess real quick. Otherwise I'm going to look less spiritual. So Mm. when you talked about effective confession, what, what, what is that? How can confession be effective? Yeah. Well, I love, I, well, I actually hate the examples you've provided because <laughs> me too, me too. They're so shaming. Yeah. And oftentimes confession can either reinforce shame and legalism, or it can fizzle out into stagnation. Um, you get this a lot with so-called accountability groups, people showing up every week talking about, Oh, I messed up. I failed last night. Yeah, me too. Well, at least God loves us. Mm. And so it can also go in the opposite direction of lowering standards. 
And, and so confession by itself doesn't transform. What we need to do in order to obey what the Bible says about confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you might be healed is we need to practice some of the core principles that make confession really work. And um, that's what I talk about in the book, seven levels of effective confession. One of them is doing it in a safe context with a person I can trust, having some level of safety, privacy, confidentiality. Another one would be going deeper than just the behavior. Um, Sometimes people are not even ready to confess the specific behavior like I masturbated or I watched pornography. Even that still falls short of that excavation of looking into why, like what's going on down there? What's the background? Like what events and experiences led up to this? You know, what was that magazine cover that you saw? Who was on it? What did it do for you? What came up for you? What experiences from your life are coming to the surface? And then from there, being able to bring the love of God into contact with the places where we actually need it. in our hearts, you know, going into the shame, the fear, the isolation, the anger, the anxiety, the apathy, the numbness, like that is all underneath whatever it is we're confessing. And so for confession to be effective, you have to get below the symptom down to the roots. And also another key part of effective confession is not casually referring to it on a text message two weeks later. That is kind of insulating you from the felt emotions. It's most effective when I'm reaching out to somebody in the moment of arousal, in the moment of feeling triggered, in the moment when there's nothing I'd rather do than take my mind off of it and sexually act out. That's when we need each other. That's when confession can really become sacred. Man, that is, that is so good. Um, and of course, we're going to have the link to your book in, in the show notes. You can get it on Amazon. Um, but I love the word that you use there. You used excavation, mm-hmm. which to me, um, I love words because if I'm just saying you need to dig deeper, that's, you know, that's, that's kind of more, more uh, quick and violent in a way. Let's dig, dig, dig excavation. If you're on an excavation site, and you're going through the old bones of your past. You're being yeah. careful to preserve the evidence. I love that. You're being careful to preserve um, what can be transformed and redeemed. Mm. And you're using a brush and you're careful <laughs> and you're digging around it. It, it takes time. Um, yeah. I love that. There's tenderness. It's delicate. It's holy ground. Our stories are the stage where God brings redemption. And so I completely resonate with what you're saying. And this is so different from the typical porn recovery approach. Be a warrior, be tough. For many of us, it's easy to be tough. Being tender, that's a skill. That's a Christ-like quality. Doesn't come quite so easily. And it makes sense that you wouldn't, um, confession is, is being vulnerable, being open. 
it would make sense that you do that in a safe, um, a safe way. Right. And this is where we need to make a couple of distinctions. Number one, confession is not only about sin. Confession can apply to almost anything. I can confess whatever's going on inside of me. I can confess emotions. I can confess weakness. I can confess temptation. Temptation's not sin. I can confess also goodness, beauty, love. Um, I can actually confess in Greek homologeo, you know, same word. It, it, all right, let me, let me, I'm, I'm not going to talk about the Greek. That's too much. All right. <laughs> it's but, fine with me. Okay. So basically the word confession in Greek homologeo means to say the same thing that my words match reality. Hmm. And so if I'm being honest, I can actually confess so much more than just sin. I can look at you and confess, Hey, Nate, here's how I see Christ in you. Like, wow, the Holy spirit is showing up in this way that I see in you. I've seen growth in you. I've seen progress in you. So part of confession is not just owning my sin. It's also affirming one another. And this is something which we need to do in our groups and in our accountability and everything is to call out each other's goodness, each other's growth, each other's progress. We're usually highly aware of our sin and shame and not so aware of the ways that we are changing. Like God is at work. He is doing things. And so in confession, we need to balance out confessing the negatives with affirming one another, building each other up as we're called to do in scripture. I love that. I love that. Um, the confession of reality, because that if you yeah. just leave it at that, that just it can go either way. This this is how it is, um, and that is exactly what confession is about. It's about being real. We can be real about so much more than just our faults and our failures, and we need to be. I can be real about the way my family has affected me. I can be real about times when I feel conflict with you or with someone else in my life. I just feel like th this is, you asked about my battle plan at one, like one of the podcast questions was about my battle plan and yeah. uh, I have my battle plan here. Awesome. And the biggest, the biggest two words on this battle plan are be real. I love that. So just before we get into your battle plan, plan excuse me, because that's, that's a big part of, of what I wanted to talk about. Um, but one thing that, that I'm thinking as, as we do effective confession, of our reality, good or bad, to the right people in a safe environment, I think that also opens us up to having other one, uh, others challenge our realities mm -hmm. and say, hey, that's not how I see it, yeah. um, whether that's good or bad, and break yeah. down delusions or reinforce uh, what is good within our reality. Amen. You just changed yeah. the whole concept of confession for me, by the way, <laughs> just, just thinking through that. So, okay, let's, let's move to, um, cause you talk, uh, um, about a battle plan, having a yeah. battle plan in, in this, uh, one of these, these 12 sessions. Um, yeah. can you tell me two parts and we'll come to your battle plan as a second part, but how do you develop a battle plan? This is kind of funny because earlier in this conversation, I talked about being free from the battle, yeah. right? How it's not a battle. And yet I need to have some kind of structure and sequence for what I'm going to do with my life. Yeah. So this concept, um, 
uh, Brandon Hillegas, he's our creative director. He, he talked to us on an episode about developing creative capital. Um, and what he meant by that is taking time to put uh, solutions, creative solutions in your tool bag so pr- for yeah. problems you haven't even discovered yet. And it sounds yes. like that's kind of where you're moving with, with a battle plan. Yeah. So for me, the battle plan is not so much about uh, being hyper vigilant and always feeling on guard. It's more about when there's an emergency or even when there's not an emergency, what are the life giving rhythms and rituals which I need to make sure I am following in my life. So how do you develop that? Um, You can read Redeem Sexuality to get more, but just for now, I'll say there need to be disciplines of abstinence and disciplines of engagement. So disciplines of abstinence would be things I'm going to stay away from because they're not optimal for me. They're distractions for me or they're dangerous for me. Disciplines of engagement are the activities that are going to fill me up, that are going to give me life, that are going to keep me on the center of the path that I'm on. So rather than, so you can think about it this way. Disciplines of abstinence would be like guardrails on the path. Mm -hmm. Disciplines of engagement would be like uh, conveyor belts that uh, keep me going forward. And ultimately, when it comes to sexuality, a lot of people end up focusing more on the guardrails, on what to avoid, on what I need to stay away from. When really in order to gain a lot of ground, in order to gain momentum towards freedom, wholeness, towards pursuing what God made us for, we would do better to stay in the center of the path and to ask, okay, what am I pursuing? Who am I becoming? And some of the things that keep me on that path are reading my Bible first thing in the morning, on exercising at least every other day. (laughs) The biggest part of it is being real. Yes. On true confession, as we talked about. And when I'm in a situation where I'm feeling especially triggered or I'm at risk, then I need to call one of my allies and pray. Um, I might also use some of the other tools in my toolbox, like the floss method or the feeling wheel or the faster scale to help me understand what the heck is going on in my heart right now. So I don't think we have time to break down those three tools you just talked about, but is there, is there a place where people can go and find those tools? Yes. uh, There is an episode I just did called, three proven power tools to prevent relapse. And that episode talks about those three tools specifically. Okay, Drew, we're we're running out of time here a little bit. So I think we're going to need to have you back at some point. Uh, I hope you're up for that. Uh, Totally. But but let me ask you this. Someone who's out there, uh, they're hiding in their porn addiction um, and they don't know what to do next. Speak, speak to them directly, and, and can you give some guidance there? Yes. Baby steps, my friend. Um, you don't need to try to look for perfection right away. What's most important is not perfection, but direction. Um, and one baby step you can take in the right direction would be to 
find some allies. And a great way to do that would be to join the Husband Material Facebook group. This is my private group for Christian men where I'm seeing unbelievable vulnerability and compassion between guys who have never met each other in person. It's a very safe place where you can open up, where you can get questions answered, where you can access resources, groups, individual professionals. So that's at husbandmaterialmen.com. For the ladies out there, there is a really cool conference coming up called She, S-H-E, that's being put on by Covenant Eyes and uh, Crystal Renaud. And it's going to be awesome. It's going to be the first ever virtual summit just for women who struggle with pornography. So I'm really excited about that event. I'm going to be promoting it on my show too. And that is coming up in early October. So if there was something in, in there's been a lot of stuff to take away from this uh, particular episode. Um, but if there's something that you wanted to have uh, our listeners take away from this, something that you just want them to just hang on to remember that could be an action or what to do next or, or a concept you really want them to hang on to, uh, from drew, what would that be? Porn is a pacifier and you can outgrow it. If you're willing to do this deep, delicate work of excavation for the little boy or the little girl within you, who's screaming for attention when you're sexually aroused. I love that. I, I think that's a great place to end this particular episode. Um, but I'm looking forward to having you back on Grace Story Podcast in the future. So thank you so much for being on today, Drew. You're welcome. It was really fun, Nate. And I feel like we're just getting started. So I, Yeah, I hope so. It's, uh, it's been a good conversation. Okay, guys, I know that was a lot packed into one episode. We're going to have to have Drew back on future uh, on a future episode just to unpack more of his content. If you want something in the meantime, you can go to his website, husbandmaterial.com, or hit him up on Instagram uh, at husbandmaterialmen, uh, and you'll be able to get more. You have the, the latest episode he was talking about, about the power tools, is up over there on both his website and the Instagram account. Okay, so I, I said this at the beginning of the episode, and uh, we're going to follow through on it. So if uh, if you head on over to Instagram, there's going to be the, the way to um, get into the giveaway to get a free copy of Drew's book, Redeemed Sexuality. You'll have that uh, mailed to you, um, our gift to you. Just head on over to Instagram to Grace Story Podcast, all one word, and follow the instructions to get into that giveaway. Um, no purchase necessary. Just head on over and give us a follow and uh, follow the directions there. All right, guys, uh, that's about all the time we have. Um, so stay encouraged. Uh, we're going to be praying for you here at Grace Story, um, praying for your journey of restoration. We're all in this together and uh, we're all learning together. Um, let's just keep at it and stay encouraged. And, and uh, there's more to come, not only for the ministry, but for you. And I'm glad you're a part of our community. We'll see you next time.